I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Well, as you heard Lindsay Ertz reporting, a new online dating bill is gaining traction on Utah's Capitol Hill. The legislation would help protect people using online dating sites from scams and sexual assault. Uh, Amy Kobe, of course, is a reporter uh, with us here at KSL News Radio. She has been following and digging into this story. Uh, and this is one of those important ones. This is one of those crucial conversations that I don't think we've had nearly enough uh, when it comes especially to a lot of these apps and uh, Amy joins us on the line now after what I know is a long day. Amy, thanks for sticking around and uh, joining us today. Absolutely, Boyd. So tell us about this bill. What would it require? Uh, What are the parameters and uh, how's it looking up on the Hill? Yeah, it's doing very well on the Hill. First of all, it uh, passed in the House with zero votes against, which as you know, you've, you've followed government for a long time, is rare. Uh, and so when that happens, it's uh, it's pretty incredible to see that support. So the bill, what it does, there's there's quite a lot here. Uh, part of it, it would require apps to just warn users to to require users to read something that says, you know, this can be dangerous. Uh, there are just inherent dangers with dating online. So being aware of what some of those things are, uh, protecting yourself from sexual assault and dating violence, how to do that. Uh, protecting yourself from financial crimes uh, and how to avoid being, you know, being a victim of someone looking to get your money. And uh, so that's part of it, just an education part of it. And then part of that education as well would encourage people that if they do become a, the victim of a crime, that they would reach out for help. They would talk to local law enforcement and also tell the app if something like that happens. So mm-hmm. the app would know and then they can take some steps against that person, especially if there is a criminal case then brought up against that person. So if there is a criminal case, the apps would then be required to ban that person and tell every single other person that they have spoken to that, look, this is this has happened and someone else has fallen victim. So you should ta- stop talking to them. So yeah. if you're talking to them on, you know, you're texting them or using, you know, they're obviously not on the app anymore. But you might be seeing this person uh, and communicating with them outside of the app. You should stop that. Uh, that that's so uh, I, think, I think it's so important, both in terms of just the overall protection, uh, but also I think it should give people more confidence in terms of using some of those apps. If there was that kind of partnership or that kind of commitment uh, to the flow of that kind of information, if there's someone uh, who has you know been involved in a sexual assault or or a scam operation to get funds and so on. Uh, I know in, in your reporting, you focused on Representative Angela Romero, a Democrat from Salt Lake City, uh, who uh, was sponsor, was the House sponsor of the bill. And I know this is not just a uh, – sometimes politicians are uh, kind of come late to the party and try to lead. I know this is something Representative Romero has been working on for a long time. Yeah, a couple of years ago, she was approached by the, uh, the group Match Group. Uh, they own apps like Tinder, Hinge, OkCupid. Uh, a lot of a lot of these apps. If you've heard of one, they probably own it. Honestly, um, 
And they reached out to her and brought up some of these issues. And she told me this morning, I spoke to her, she said uh, that it didn't pass. There was there wasn't a way to get it on the bill, you know, a bill then when they brought it up. But then this year she was approached by the Salt Lake County District Attorney's Office on the same issue. And so they were all able to work together to actually make this a policy and put something in place. And she told me, you know, or she just said this is important. And in uh, talking to lawmakers when she introduced this, she said, you know, it can seem a little prescriptive, but if it just saves one person, if one person logs onto a dating website, they see those standards there, they're reviewing them, that might save one person's life. And I think that says something about, you know, her her goal here is really she's thinking about saving lives with this. Yeah, I think it's so important, too, that you, as you mentioned, uh, this was an opportunity for a legislator, for uh, the DA's office, law enforcement, and these app owners, uh, the businesses, to all come together, which is really how we usually end up with the best kind of policy. Yeah, and, and you know, the the fact that these apps are, they're, they're very popular, too, um, and especially during the pandemic, I, I know a lot of people who use them. I use them myself. And this is something I can tell you from personal experience just doesn't exist on these apps. Mm. Um, and, and so to have that for across the board, every app to be required to do that, it would be a big change uh, to, to see that come about. Yeah. And so as we're down to the uh, the last days and hours of uh, this legislative session, we know it's made its way through the House. What are the prospects for this bill in the Utah Senate? Yeah, um, I, I think it's <laughs> it, it's got a lot of, as I said, a lot of support. Um, it, it's going to be it's going to be tight. There's the it, it's been heard already. Let me check. I've got the status of it pulled up right here. Uh, it's it's been heard in committee already. Received once again, no votes against in committee. Uh, so it's uh, it's it's moving forward pretty quickly. And uh, I I I don't make any promises ever on any bills, <laughs> but I think this one's a shoe in pretty pretty easily. Uh, well, that is good. Yeah, there are never any guarantees until the votes are cast, especially as you come down the home stretch of a legislative session and the board gets very full with a a lot of things to vote on. So uh, Amy Kobe uh, joining us on the line again, this is one of those bills that's a crucial conversation uh, as more and more people are building relations, doing their dating, starting on an app of some sort. Uh, I I think there, again, there are two important components to this, that it's both the confidence factor uh, that, you know, you're engaged on an app that uh, has your back, so to speak, and that it is going to communicate with you. Uh, and then also just making sure we're really tracking and following those uh, who have ill intent uh, or who have done harm in the past. Uh, great reporting. Amy Kobabe, thanks for joining us on the line today. Thanks, Boyd. All right. That's uh, again, that's a, I think that's just such an important uh, conversation up there. It's uh, as Amy reported, there's no uh, no no votes have happened either on the House side or in committee on the Senate side. So we do expect that will likely uh, get a vote in the next uh, 24 hours or so. And I think that's an important and I love the fact that Amy noted in her reporting that this really was everyone coming together. It was uh, a legislator uh, who had a vision. Representative Romero should be applauded for seeing this early. She's been working on it for a couple of years now. 
I've been working with some of the app providers, some of those businesses, as well as law enforcement, as well as uh, the AD's office. Uh, And all those are just vital parts of the process. And that is how we get good legislation. That's how we get good public policy. And so that's a that's one that we'll continue to track and monitor as we come down the home stretch. And we'll do that tomorrow as well as the session comes to a close that we'll watch a lot of things. We also have to remember in those waning days uh, and waning hours, some things get pushed through that maybe are a little bit on the fast track or rushed just a little bit. So we'll be tracking that. Stay with KSL News Radio throughout the day today and tomorrow as we keep our eye on Utah's Capitol Hill. In addition to continuing to watch everything that's taking place back in Washington, D.C. and around the world and uh, continuing to track everything that's happening as it relates to Ukraine. And we expect more updates there on a very busy day uh, as it relates to that, uh, noting that over a million, uh, a million refugees uh, so far. And we expect that number to go up in a significant way. Uh, as the fighting intensifies and as Russia continues to move forward. If you missed the first segment of the show today, we had Phil Rossetti on from uh, R Street Institute uh, talking about the sanctions, what is likely to work, and what lessons we should learn in this process because there are some lessons about sanctions that aren't that long ago when Russia invaded Crimea uh, and took that over. And some of those uh, sanctions had some impact and some had absolutely no impact. And so we'll track all of those things uh, as we continue through the day today as well. All right, we're going to step aside for some bottom of the hour news. Coming up next, the Hatch Foundation is hosting an event with Supreme Court Judge Clarence Thomas. Matt Sandgren is going to join us next to tell us all about that. That will be a fireside chat worth leaning into and listening very closely. Uh, Justice Clarence Thomas coming to the Beehive State. Stay with us. Lots to come on Inside Sources. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.